You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you have a need or a concern today, one perhaps that is beyond your control and quite frankly out of anyone's control, a situation that's never going to change or get better. Do you, you, you know what I'm talking about? You ever face something like that? I mean, something out of your control, something beyond you, something you can't imagine ever changing. You may even feel despair concerning your own shortcomings. You may feel some anxiety concerning your future, concerning tomorrow. We live in uncertain times, and that's for certain. Right? I mean, we don't know uh, from one day to the next, but the, the, the thoughts of me are filled with doubt. There's a lot of people struggling with doubts, discouragement, and feelings that are beyond hope, and some have gone even to the point of despondency, to where their best defense for their fears is just try to convince themselves that they don't care anymore, that they're just, uh, I mean, they're just uh, divorcing themselves from the world and separating themselves and isolating themselves from those who love them. Do I sound really loud? Is it okay? A little loud? Give me down a little bit if you wouldn't mind there, Bo. And all right, so, uh, but, but, but that's, that's exactly where many, many people are today. Today, in the service, we're going to uh, meet two hopeless men. So would y'all come forward at right now? No, I'm just kidding, all right. We're going to meet two hopeless men. Their situation was beyond their control and outside and beyond man's help. On a day that started like every other day, these men woke up like they had every other morning facing a problem that was beyond a solution, facing a problem that they had learned to live with because it had just become a way of life. They, they started that day just like they did any other day, beyond hope of help. But what they didn't know was on this day, there was a man passing by by the name of Jesus Christ, the way maker, <laughs> the miracle worker, the one who could make things happen when he passed by was going to be passing by the way that these two men were uh, <laughs> on this particular day. They had no idea that on this day, there was a miracle in the making for them. I mean, uh, there, there was nothing to do. But I'm telling you, we're going to meet these two men here in the book of Matthew, chapter number 9 and verse number 28, where the Bible says, And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? He was speaking of healing them of their blindness, fixing that which was unfixable. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. What a simple yet profound statement. Do you believe that I can do beyond what is humanly possible? Do you believe today that I can do that which no man can do? Can, do you believe that I can do that which you have given up hope of ever happening? 
I mean, you have learned to live with this discouragement. You have learned to live with these limitations. You have learned to live with this. This was their normal. We talk about the new normal. This was their forever normal. This is what they were used to. But the Lord Jesus asked them, do you believe? And their simple statement of faith was, yes, Lord, we do. Look, at me, look with me at the next verse, please, there in verse 29. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Do you believe? Yes, Lord. Then be, as it is, your, as your faith is, so shall it be. And you continue to read, and their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that they tell no man. But as we look this morning at these two men, I want to use this as an example of a, a definite principle in the Word of God, an exclamation point in the Word of God. And I pray today that this, if this principle is not an exclamation point in your life, that it will be before this day is over. I want to try to uh, submit these truths to your heart and pray you can get a hold of them uh, as they are meant to get a hold of today. As I preach on this thought, can Jesus do this? Can Jesus do this? He asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And so the, the question this morning is, can Jesus do this? So as we think about this, as he says, do you believe that I am able? Do you believe that I am able? Uh, I want to start this morning by considering for a moment the description of his ability. Can Jesus do this? Do you believe that I am able, he says? The description of his ability. The New Testament word or phrase to be able means to have power. And I love, as many of you are familiar with, the, the power that's being spoken of there, the able that's being spoken of there, is from the Greek word dunamis. When Alfred Nobel was trying to find uh, a, a name for this creation of his that would explode and, uh, and, and could make uh, do great damage, there was a friend of his that says, I've got a good title for this. He says, you should call it dynamite after the Greek word dunamis. So the power there is dynamite, dunamis. For whatever reason, my mind went to when they were trying to, you know, cut the railway through the, through the granite mountains, you know, out west, and how that's impossible. You can't get through there. But with some dynamite and a lot of hard work, you can get through it. I mean, power, dynamite has made a lot of things possible. Not all of them great, uh, by the way. But dynamite has made a lot, th th that chemical compound's made a lot of things possible that before did not seem humanly possible. And I'm telling you, His power, the description of His power, folks, God is all-powerful. Your God, your Savior, the one who loves you is all-powerful. He Himself is the source of all power, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm as well. Where the true nature and extent of power eludes our understanding, God is omnipotent. What that means is he possesses infinite, complete, and perfect power. Our capabilities and the capabilities of any power we know are all limited. But folks, his power is not limited. Uh, listen, so we, the description 
of his ability. I want to give you some Bible examples to prove to you the exclamation point in God's word, the exclamation point in history uh, that should be an exclamation point in our lives is that God can. He is able. See, and a lot of times we don't have a hard time believing that he's able to do this for somebody else. Isn't it an amazing thing? And I'm getting way ahead of myself here. I just scrapped my notes and jumped ahead. But I just got to say here quickly, isn't it amazing that as, that as God's people, we have no problem believing that God spoke this world into existence? Amen? We, have no, we do not have a hard time believing that God Almighty came uh, through the womb of a virgin, a literal virgin, and was born. We don't have any problem with that. We believe that. That's fine. But isn't it something? We believe even that God has His, that God has his uh, hand on the, on the direction and on the rudder of history, as it were. We believe that God so loved the world. We believe that He loved us so much. I believe that He loved me so much that He gave His only begotten Son for me to die on the old rugged cross, to bear my sins, to, to, to suffer the wrath and condemnation of God Almighty on my behalf. I believe that He did that, that He loves me that much, that He died, that He rose again the third day, and that He's coming back for me. But why is it when you ask some of us, hey, do you think God's willing to meet the need in your life? Can God... Work something in your life that seems impossible? Can God do something in a moment that you think never could happen? Many of us would say, no, I don't believe that. Actually, not too many of us would actually say that, but our lives say it. Some of our faces say it. The way we're going about from day to day says it. If we're not careful, we believe the we, we believe the lie, and instead of saying God can with an exclamation point, we say can God. Can God. Folks, but God can. And, uh, I mean, listen, He can do it all. I think about in the Old Testament here, where the Bible says in the book of Genesis, He had promised to make a, a Abraham the father of a great nation. Uh, Abraham was old when God told him that. Sarah was older when God told them that. But by the time God brought it to pass, Abraham was 99 and uh, Sarah was 90. But God still said, I'm going to give you a son. Ralph, what'd they do? They tried to help God. <laughs> well, I'm too old, but maybe, you know, maybe my handmaid, this younger lady, you can have a baby with her, and maybe God will work that out. Why? Because, see, we sit and think, why do we do this? What they did, we do. We sit and think, okay, I don't, this doesn't make sense naturally, so God must not really mean what he said. That's what they did. So we can identify with it, but I love this. God introduced himself to Abraham in a certain way that day in Genesis 17, verse 1, when he says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. That's the exclamation point. I am the Almighty God. I could, start, I could just stop with the I am, but he says, I am the Almighty God. The I am, of course, is the I am that I am, but he introduces himself to Abraham as El Shaddai. 
El Shaddai, that's the Almighty God, the God who can do anything. He's the Almighty. He's the All-Powerful. He is called El Shaddai some 47 times. He introduces himself in the Old Testament. God Almighty, that's my God, amen. Hey, listen, that's not just a vain thing that I say. It's somebody I know, amen. It is God Almighty, my God, El Shaddai. It speaks of his omnipotence from the beginning to the end. Uh, it speaks in Psalm 24. He's called the Lord, strong and mighty, El Shaddai. He's called in Psalm 24, verse 8. Uh, the Bible says, power belongs to him. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. See, he wants us to know him. Just like he introduced himself to Abraham, I'm God Almighty. <laughs> I'm God Almighty. When he speaks to us, he says, I'm God Almighty. I'm the Lord. I am God Almighty, the Lord Almighty. And, and so now God came back later to confirm this promise with Abram. And when he came back, his wife Sarah happened to be there. And when God came to Abraham, he, he, once again, he said, uh, God's going to give you and Sarah a son. It's not from Hagar. Hagar, it's from God. It's going to be with Sarah. And what does the Bible say? Anybody remember what Sarah did? Laughed. Anybody remember what? When God did give them a son, spoiler alert if you don't know the story, but when God give them, did give them the son, what they named their son? Laughter. That's what Isaac means, laughter. So they'd be reminded from then on about this moment. But Sarah heard it, and she laughed uh, when she heard it. <laughs> but there again, God promised. Uh, uh, Sarah, uh, the Bible says, and ask this question, because I asked a question this morning. I asked the question this morning, can Jesus do this? God asked Sarah a question and Abraham a question. He said this, is anything too hard for God in uh, Genesis 18, verse 14? See, I want to just try to make a few points. I'm not be able to say everything I'd like to say about can Jesus do this? Can God? Is God able in your life? Is God able in your circumstance? Does he care about your circumstance or about the things that we're facing in this country today, things that matter to us? And I want to say absolutely he does. But Sarah laughed in mockery because, and maybe just it was humorous. God's really going to do this? Again, think about it from a practical standpoint. I'll emphasize again. Abraham's 99. Sarah's 90. It's kind of funny from a natural standpoint. But I want to emphasize this. The enemy always has something to say to every one of us. For many of you, what I'm telling you today, it's nothing new to you. But I've just got to remind myself of it, and I'm here to remind you of this. Why? Because our enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil, always whispers in our ear and wants to laugh. Oh, you really think God's going to do that? You really think God's going to work in this way? You really think God's going to fix what's been wrong in your family for all these years? I mean, really? It's not going to work. Not going to work! You really think God could take your situation and turn it around? Really? That's not going to happen. So it's not going to happen. The enemy always speaks. Isaiah uh, 36, Sennacherib. I mean, listen, the, the, the Assyrians were coming. And they, 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 the, the, the Assyrians, man, they're, they're a fascinating people if you study history. They were, they were the masters of the siege. 
They would besiege cities, circle a city roundabout, and they would circle that city, not let anybody out, not let anything come in, until finally they would run out of food and water and begin to starve, and then the city would surrender. But what they would do is they would set up, and they'd say, okay, if you surrender to us, if you surrender to us, we'll spare a certain amount of life or we'll uh, what have you, but if you do not, when those doors do come open, we're coming in, we're coming in hard. The Assyrians, by the way, were terrifying. They would impel people alive. They would put you, they, they would make you a shish kebab right out there in the outside of the city for everybody to see alive. They would impel the, their people. They would fillet people alive. The Assyrians. Uh, they were something else. They were pretty terrifying. You ever face you say, preacher, I'm facing something terrifying. That's what the Bible's trying to illustrate there. That's a historical fact, but it can show us in our lives we can face some scary stuff. Do you ever feel besieged? Do you ever feel circled around? Do you ever feel like you can't get any help in? Do you ever feel like you can't get out of your situation? That's how, the, that's how Hezekiah, that's how the children, children of Israel felt. They were bes being besieged. By the way, the Assyrians, they would finally get close to the wall, and they, they had instruments to where they would start chipping away at the walls. As the besiege would go on. Man, you ever feel like that? The enemy's at the door. I mean, the wolves are at the door. But I'm telling you folks, here today, that's where they were at. And so Sennacherib sent a message to Hezekiah and to the Jews. And here's what he says. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Don't let, don't let, the, don't let the king convince you of that. You know why I say that? Because there's people here today, people listening to this message, that there's a part of you right now even saying, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Yeah, preacher, you can say all you want to say, but there's no getting out of this situation. Preacher, I've got myself into this situation. There's no getting out of it. Hey, listen. I'm not saying that God's going to deliver you through, uh, uh, from everything, but I promise you, He will either do one of two things. He's either going to deliver you from, or He's either going to deliver you through. But He's able. His grace is sufficient. So the enemy always speaks. Don't listen. Don't believe that. Don't get your hopes up, anybody. I'm scared if I start believing God that I'm going to be disappointed. We don't say that, but that's kind of what we are. I'm scared... I don't, want to, I don't want to put myself out there. Hey, can Jesus do this or not? Can Jesus do this? See, they listened. I, I think listen. Psalm 78 speaks of a generation that listened to the voice of the enemy. The Bible says, and they tempted God in their heart. They didn't say it out loud, but they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. Now listen how they spake against God. Here's how they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? God has taken us away from Egypt. Plenty of food. All the food we could ever want. Now he's taking us out here to the middle of nowhere. Can God set up a big old banquet table out here? Can he set up a buffet? They asked it in a, it was a laugh. With a mock, they tempted God. They said, can God? But folks, I, I hope today that rather than you living your life with a question mark all the time, can God? 
Can God, can God can be asked in a sincere way, but they asked it in a mocking way. They asked it in a way of tempting the Lord. But I hope today that your life can be, start living with an exclamation point instead of a question mark, God can. Amen. Can God? God can. I wish you'd do yourself a favor, and you ought to try to look up. There's no video on it that I'm aware of, but you can find the audio of Harold Seitler. He was a man of God that God used greatly in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, to build a, a great work uh, for the Lord at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, he's uh, just passed away, I believe, back in the 80s or early 90s. Uh, but God used this man in a great way, and it was just a cool thing. You can go find a message of his, Can God? Look up and listen to it today. Can God? Uh, it was an impromptu message. Uh, from, what I, from what I understand, he was not an impromptu kind of guy, but he just came into church on a Sunday evening, and he'd been studying over those verses on Psalm 78, and he got up there and started preaching about can God, and God can. And I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest messages. But I'm here to tell you today, God can. God can. You say, preacher, you don't know my problem. Let me say this to you. You don't know my God. Amen? God can. Can God? God can. Sarah laughed. But I love what the Lord said. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing. Now, here's the great thing about Abraham and Sarah. They learned to answer that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? They, they learned to answer the question, can Jesus do this? Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that that which he promised, he was able to perform. That's speaking about Abraham and Sarah. What he was able, what he promised, being fully persuaded. See, there's, I'm trying to persuade you today, just in case you hadn't realized. But I wanted to let you know my motives. I'm trying to motivate, I'm trying to persuade you to believe our God today. But see, they were fully persuaded. But we have things trying to persuade us the other way. I've already talked about that. How are you persuaded? Can Jesus do this? Can your God? How big is your God? Is your God able? Is your God able to intervene in your situation? See, in other words, they grasped the truth of God's omnipotence. They grasped the truth of God's omnipotence. Most of us have had, listen to this, have you ever had somebody disappoint you? Have you ever had a disillusioning experience? Somebody who has promised you more than they were able to deliver? Somebody that's made promises to you and they did not come through? Maybe that to you has become life. It just seems like one person after the other has said, you know, tried to sell you a bill of goods only for you to find out that they oversold it. And you come back disappointed. And if we're not careful, we can, we can begin to transfer this skepticism to God. Does He really care? Is He really in control? Does He really have power to bring good out of adversity? See, our doubts do nothing but raise our anxiety level and cause us grief. <laughs> oh, believe it, child of God. He is able. He can. Yes, He can. He is able. God can. Jesus can fix this. Jesus is able. Only God is all-powerful. But folks, He's on our side. And there is no problem. 
that's as big as my God. It's, it doesn't take me long to find problems that are bigger than me. But I've yet to find one that's bigger than my God. It was not hard for the children of Israel when they were scouting out the land of Canaan to find giants in the land, men that were bigger than them. But see, what they did is the same thing that we do. We use the wrong scale to balance. We use the wrong picture. Uh, in other words, we look at it and say, wow, that's bigger than me. That's never been done, you know. But they're using the wrong comparison, aren't they? It's not about me. It's about my God. Yes, there's big obstacles out there. But I'm telling you, none of them's as big as my God. Amen. Is that your God? Is that your God today? Can God? Can God? Can your God? Is he able? That's my God. See, you say, well, of course, that's silly, preacher. I know there's no problem bigger than my God. Do you? Are you fully persuaded? Amen. That's right. I mean, listen. Oh, my friend, hey, there's, there's nothing. There's there anything too hard for the Lord. Oh, my friend, listen. God, in, in the book of Jeremiah, God had been telling Jeremiah that they were going to be besieged and they were going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. And he said, and it, was, it would be a hard message to preach. He literally had to preach the message, hey, y'all just need to surrender. God said, don't fight, uh, don't fight Nebuchadnezzar. You just need to surrender to Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and they thought he was a traitor. They thought he was, uh, they, they thought he was uh, uh, you know, some kind of uh, uh, agent of Babylon the way he preached. But here's what God told him. He said, I want you to go buy your cousin's lot of land <laughs> just to show people by faith that you are coming back here one day. And in Jeremiah 32, verse 17... Here's what Jeremiah says. I love it. See, God asked Sarah the question, is there anything too hard for God? But in Jeremiah 32, verse 17, the Bible says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. I don't want to be a church that has to repeat after the preacher sometimes, but that's one of those that I wish I could just say, say it with me, amen. And you don't have to say it with me out loud, but I wish you'd say it, say it in your heart. There is nothing too hard for thee. Every day you need to say that. Every day you need to say, my God's able. Is there anything too hard for God? There is nothing too hard for thee. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. He's a good God. To Mary, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 37, he says, With God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. He told his disciples, all things are possible with God. He is able, and he longs for us to know him as the omnipotent God. Folks, man, I tell you, listen. May God help us to walk through this life with our heads held high, with our shoulders back, with a little skip in our step and a song in our voice. Why? Because we have a good God. Amen? And no matter what we face in this life, my God's able. <laughs> my God can. A woman once approached the famous preacher G. Campbell Morgan after he spoke, and, and she asked the question, Do you think that we should pray for even the little things in our lives or just for the big things? 
and with his uh, strong British accent and dignified manner, he replied, Madam, can you think of anything in your life that's too big for God? See, that's how we do. Well, I don't want to bring this small thing to God. Well, you might as well not bring anything to God. I'm telling you. Hey, these blind men come to the Lord. Hey, if they didn't want to bring a small thing to God, they should have just left their blindness at the house because that's a small thing to God. What's big for God? <laughs> God's never strained people. God, listen, God has never reached down to do something, make a move, and, a do, and, and the blood vessels begin to pop out in his head. Oh, 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 my friend, when the heathens that are gathering together even now, and when the spirit of Antichrist that is building in our society even now, when that finally culminates at the end of the seven years of tribulation, and when finally they say, let us make war with the Lamb of God. Let us go after the Lord Jesus. We know he's coming to Armageddon. We're not scared. We're going to come and make war with him. And they come with their numbers, and they come with their weapons. Weapons. And the Lord says, boys, get your guns. We're gonna, we've got a battle on our hands. It's not what he says in Revelation 19. He says, you, hey, we're going for a joyride. I'm getting on my white horse. Y'all get on y'all's white horses, and here we go. And, and, and he comes, and I know it's not a joyride, but I'm just telling you it's not hard for God. And he comes to the earth, and with the sword of his mouth, he just simply speaks. And their eyes and their tongues melt in their head, according to the book of Zechariah. And they're all, it's not hard for God. Listen, I, I, I'm telling you, it's not too hard for God. There was an army, I believe it was of a, of a quarter million or more people. Uh, it may have been this exact moment. I believe it was the thing I was telling you about with Hezekiah. They were surrounded. <laughs> and uh, guess what happened? One angel, one angel in one night came and killed that entire Syrian army that was gathered out there. <laughs> that's how quick it can turn around hey how big is your God can Jesus do this Jesus asked him the question do you believe do you believe that I can do this believe ye that I am able to do this and they said yay Lord let me ask you a question this morning do you believe that God's able to do it yes. <laughs> the description of his ability very quickly the dimension of his ability I'll give you just a few verses here the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, listen, he's able today, folks. He's able to save. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, he's able to save you. You may know some terrible people. You want to, you want, you want to know something? God's able to save them. Amen? The worst, wickedest, most vile person you know, God can save them. That's so, that was some of us, amen, that's been saved by God's grace. Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore, he is able... He is able. He is able. He is able. He is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. See, he's able to save to the uttermost. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says that we are kept by the power of God. I'm saved by the power of God. He's able to save. He's able to keep. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. He is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 
He's able to keep us. Jude verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh, my friend, listen, he's able to supply our needs, and God is able in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have all sufficiency in all things and may abound to every good work. God is able. God is able. He's able to heal. He's able to deliver. And there's an important principle that I'll try to close with this morning, and that's this. He's able to deliver. But we get a good example of what this means in Daniel 3.17. I alluded to it earlier. Daniel 3.17, as the children of Israel, the, 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 the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were right on the prefaces, just about to be thrown into that fiery furnace. And the Nebuchadnezzar says to them, I'll give you one last chance to bow down. And what do they say? But they say this. King, the God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this furnace. But then they said this. you got to get this now. But if not, but if not, be it known unto the old king. See, when it comes to God being able, I said it already. You go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is the hall of faith. And I believe you pick up somewhere around verse number 32, 33, and it begins to just list things that people went through. It talks about how God delivered people and just general people from the mouths of lions and, and delivered them from this persecution and delivered them from this death. But it goes on, DJ, and it goes on to say this. And for those who were sown asunder, who those who had animal skins put on them, put into the arena, uh, to, the, to the Roman Colosseum for animals to devour them, for the entertainment of the masses. I added to that, but it talks about them that wondered about animal skins. I mean, listen, my friend, what I'm trying to say is this. God does not always deliver from, but He'll always deliver. He's either going to deliver you from or through. So you do got to ask yourself this question, but if not. See, because I believe it's very possible that there's some, some people today that may be saying this as you listen to me. Preacher, I believed God was able to deliver me from that furnace. But guess what? God didn't deliver you from that furnace, and now you're in the furnace. And you've lost hope. Because you're thinking, I really believed God was going to deliver me. I really thought He was going to... But you always got to ask yourself this question, but if not, God's not your genie. He's not the... I mean, there's, there's, there's evangelists. There's, there's tele-evangelist stuff out there today that almost, almost ask us if... if God is just this genie, and you, you, you command him three wishes, and he has to grant them. You've got the power. You've got the authority. You tell God what to do. Listen, no, 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 no. See, if not, but I promise you this, God may not deliver you from it, but I promise you he'll deliver you through it. The Lord may not move that mountain when you pray for him to remove it, but if he doesn't remove it, he'll give you the strength to climb it. Those boys did not be, they, they weren't delivered from that furnace, were they? They weren't. But God wasn't just able to deliver them from it, He was able to deliver them through it. And I just wish somebody would help me. I wish I could get a witness or two this morning. I wonder how many of you didn't get delivered the way you asked God to deliver you, but you're glad that He didn't because you went into the furnace and you got to walk with Him. You got to experience some fellowship. 
you got to experience power. You got to experience something greater than being delivered from the furnace. He came and walked with you. Amen. That's what Paul said. He prayed three times, God remove this thorn. That's a very important principle. God's able to deliver. Okay, God, deliver me. He may not deliver you from, but he will deliver you through. He delivered Daniel from the lions then. He put him right in there. He got thrown in. But man, those lions, those hungry, voracious lions would not eat Daniel. You know why? Because they knew you couldn't keep a good man down. Amen. Or else they knew. Or else they knew that he was just all backbone and gristle. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, God shut the mouths of those lions. And can't you just imagine Daniel down in that lion's den? I mean, listen, they're used to people before, their, uh, before the bodies could ever hit the ground, man. Those lions had, had them tore to shreds. I can just imagine Daniel that night while King Darius is up worried to death about Daniel. I mean, here's, here's Daniel. He goes over there and says, I think this one will do. He fluffs that lion fur up a little bit and gets down there and off he goes. Gets a little cold. I can just see him kind of dragging uh, and just bringing one of them lion paws over on him and cuddling up with it a little bit that night. And then that, that, that next morning, man, uh, Darius, he came uh, and he, he, he looked down to that lines and he says, Daniel, is the God that you serve able? <laughs> and guess what he said? Don't talk so loud, you just woke me up. But yes, I'm fine. The king was up all night. Daniel was at peace all night. My friend, your God is able. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Oh, my friend, listen. Is your God able today? The Bible, listen, as you stand this morning, as Miss Sonia comes, can Jesus do it? 